This is the Skirted Roundtable. I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings. And this is Megan Arquette from Beach Bungalow 8. And Jenny Webb with Coakley, Texas. And this week on the Skirted Roundtable, we are welcoming Joe Lucas and Parrish Chilcote from Lucas Studio Inc. and Harbinger in L.A. So Joe and um, Parrish, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. One of the things we always do with with guests is to um, learn about your background. Uh, many many of our listeners are designers, and you know are always fascinated by how people who have achieved you know a level of success have gotten to where they they are and their backgrounds. So just jump in and let us know what your backgrounds are and how you met and that sort of thing. I'm Parrish, and we Joe and I met. Uh, nine years ago when we both were hired at the same time to work as design assistants for Michael Smith, who is um, Obama's decorator and a highly regarded designer, as most people probably listening to this will know. And uh, Joe and I started essentially the same week. So two designers had left and we were hired to fill their spots. We pretty much hit it off right away. We are almost the same age. Joe's a little bit older than me. Okay, but they don't need to know. (laughs) And uh, we were put in front of each other in Michael's bullpen where all of his design assistants sit. And we figured out very fast that we had a scary amount in common. Um, I am from Long Island, outside New York City, a town called Oyster Bay. And, and I'm from New Jersey, so we had the bridge and tunnel thing going. <laughs> right. And um, we both really shared a lot of the same things growing up, we figured out, and we had seen a lot of the same houses, we loved the same things, and it was a very... It was a fun friendship to have because, for me at least, it was my second job in the interior design business, but to find someone, a peer, who shared all of my design loves and ideas, I'd really never had that before. So that was, it was very simpatico from the beginning. What were you doing before? Were you, did you, you mentioned um, your second job. What, What did you study? Did you study design? No, I did not. Um, I went to a coll- a very small college in Florida called Rollins College, which was just a liberal arts school. And I had a psychology degree, which has actually worked out very well <laughs> in this business. Um, and I left after Rollins. I, I always wanted to be an interior designer, literally from the age of like seven years old. I just sort of couldn't get my act together to go to school for it. It seemed as though it wasn't a real profession and my parents also didn't really think it was a real profession. So it was put in the back closet as sort of my, it was going to be my eternal hobby. And I worked at Chanel in New York city in their fine jewelry division. And after that, I decided that I wanted to become an investment banker. Oh my (laughs) God. The headhunter who I met with took one look at me and said, yeah, I don't think so. I, I think you're going to be eaten alive. So She didn't have the pants suits for it. <laughs> so um, I, was inter- I interviewed for a company that made corporate gifts, basically. It was a very lucrative job, believe it or not, but boring, at least to me. And we... But I worked there for almost five years, and in the process, they moved me out to San Francisco to open up an office during the internet boom, and I had an office of 10 
people, um, and I was 26 years old. So at that point, I thought, wow, maybe I can actually be successful, but I just don't want to be successful doing this. I just want to be an interior designer, and I'm going to figure out how to make this happen. So um, my husband and I got married in San Francisco, um, and we moved down to Los Angeles in July of 2001. And I signed up for UCLA's design program just to be, you know, just to start. And I walked into Hollyhock, back to the point, which is owned by Suzanne Reinstein. And at that time, Joe Nye, who was also a very prominent designer out here, was her uh, partner, essentially. And um, I walked in and I asked for a job. It was really as simple as that. And I said, my name is Parrish. I'm at UCLA's design program. Here's my resume. If you are looking for interns, I'm obsessed with the style of the store and it's so beautiful. And I knew Suzanne's work. I followed designers my whole life. And they gave me a job. <laughs> it was really, it was very lucky and yet I felt a little serendipitous. So the manager of their design office had just left to go on maternity leave. So I sort of jumped in and worked very closely with Suzanne and Joe on all of their existing projects and was working essentially as the manager, I guess, of their design office for a year. And then a friend of ours who was working retail at the Hollyhock portion of the store, um, he went and got a job at Michael Smith. And through him, that's how I got my job at Michael Smith. And yeah. anyway, so there's no, my that's, story. That's true. <laughs> and uh, I, I came around from it in uh, a very odd way, too. It's funny. We both sort of fell into the, into the world. But I uh, was a theater major and a child development major in college at Connecticut College back east. And Went out to Seattle as an actor for a couple of years and then landed down here in L.A. as an actor and never really had thought about the interior design world. I uh, had always been very focused on on the acting, which also comes in very handy. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, it looks great. No, the sofa's totally the right size. Um, I'm very good at acting with that. But I, I actually took sort of a side job, as many actors do, because uh, I didn't want to wait tables in a, a great little store here in L.A., which I just closed about a year ago, called The Fainting Couch. I don't yeah. know if you guys see in Megan, I knew yeah. that one. Claude Venuto uh, owned and ran that and her interior design firm. And, um, and so I worked in there for a while, just sort of on the side and then that sort of turned into managing the store for her and working with her interior design clients um, and I really loved it and then I left there to sort of concentrate more on the on the theater but started doing some small jobs on the side and was approached by the guy who was running Michael Smith's new furniture line the Jasper line and at the same time that Parrish was and said, hey, you should come and interview for this job. And I was like, ah, couldn't we? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I've heard of this guy, but uh, I, you know, I really need to be able to need to go on auditions <laughs> and whatever. And it was, you know, a job that anyone would have killed for. <laughs> and, uh, and so I started working there and uh, it sort of just took over, took over and became uh, more I, of the left acting. I have to ask y'all both. I, I mean, Michael Smith is like one of the, you know, biggest decorators in the business. I mean, there's, you know, and y'all are both saying you didn't have any formal training and you just walked in and got a yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, like, 
Please. Well, even the Suzanne thing with Parrish. um, Even Suzanne. I mean, how did y'all get these jobs? This is incredible. Well, once you actually do this job, you learn that 95% of it on the assistant level is paperwork. Even on our level, it's still paperwork and it's just management. And I came to Suzanne with a pretty decent resume in terms of paperwork management and client relations because I had been called as a salesperson. I had been calling on all of the major investment banks in the San Francisco and Menlo Park area. So I knew how to talk to people and I knew how to do the sales portion. I mean, Suzanne and Joe trusted me to get on the phone with a client if something had gone wrong or if we weren't sure yet what to tell the client about something. They knew I wasn't going to mess up the answer. That's valuable. That's really valuable. And just that those people skills were, Joe and I was like, ah, anyone can learn how to use a scale, a a scale rule. And you don't know how to do AutoCAD. Who cares? We can farm that out. I need someone who, if Suzanne and I are in Europe buying, can be the representative for us while we're gone Mm -hmm. and not make us look like fools, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's the same, you know, when it's funny, we always joke about my interview with Michael was literally, you know, like I was waiting outside his big conference room in his office and, you know, thinking it was going to be this big scary thing. And he came out and was like, you know, come down to the kitchen. I need to make a cup of tea. And my interview was like eight minutes in the kitchen while he made a cup of tea. And he was like, he, I think he hires people a lot on just gut instinct and personality. And are they going to get along with everybody in the office? And do they have a dragon tattoo on their face or, uh, you know, or not, whatever. And so, so you didn't have to actually, y'all weren't hired to do design in other words. No, we were. I mean, I think we were hired to manage the projects, manage projects. and, for for Michael, I mean, he's a major micromanager, you know, to his credit, he still has his hands in everything, you yeah. know, all the aspects of design. So by the time the design reached our end of it, it had already been vetted through him and the guy that does all his renderings and the client, you know, by the time it reached us, it was just here you go. Maybe I need you to pick a couple of fabrics for me that are ancillary, but at the, at the most, I need you to get pricing, size stuff. You know, even the sizing had already been done. You know, it was really just project management. And believe it or not, I mean, his operation's big, but he's still very much in control. So, so did you have portfolios when you walked in there? No. <laughs> no, I think I might, I think I might've done some, brought some things in that we did, but it wasn't, it really, you know, like the guy who brought me in was, he specifically said, he was like, I really think your personality, it will be great uh-huh. for the office and we, and we need your type of personality. And so I came on his referral, which meant a lot to Michael and I, and it really I, is, it's a big office of people and it's a lot of personalities and y'all need to get along. But I also think, I think for Michael, he knew 
the fainting couch. He knew Claudia Benvenuto's style yeah. and he had bought stuff from her. Yeah. Like yeah. that, I think also he knew the taste level. Like he very much respects Suzanne and Joe at Hollyhock. So he knew, oh, well, they hired her right. first. She's been exposed to all of their stuff for a year now. She knows what Claremont fabrics are. She knows what Lumenock is. She knows all this stuff. So half of the hard, dirty work had been taken care of, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah you had gone to finishing school. The Suzanne. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, oh, see, so you work for Suzanne. Okay, well, you get it. You know. And I was uh-huh. like, I guess so. Yes. And right. for Joe, you know, he already knew that we were exposed to what and that is i think yeah. so much of it too. it's a huge and then you learn it's learning by fire i mean it's yes. so much of this business as we as we say to you know our employees when we're interviewing people and who either have you know a lot of school experience and not a lot of actual work experience in it or vice versa it's it's totally you get thrown into it and it's being in the same room with us and listening to the client and listening to how we interact with the client and how we pick the fabrics and that's that's how you learn it's you just get in there and you get your hands a little dirty and you know we even say to our interns when they're when they're interviewing we're like look it's not a glamorous job most of 90 percent of the time you're going to be in our fabric library folding fabrics but, but at the same time the you learn all the vendors mm-hmm. every time you fold a fabric you're going okay this is the kind of fabric that they like and this is Count and Town and obviously oh look at all these Count and Town fabrics they're obviously huge fans of theirs and so now I know if I'm going shopping to go there and uh and you just you learn the the role and uh you know when you shadow us or shadow Michael at a job site meeting and construction and you hear how the how the boss sort of you know takes the architect under the wing and says no 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 this is this is what I want and this is what I want you that's that's how you just do it. So after a while, you know, we were going to the job site meetings when he couldn't because he had so many clients. And, you know, you get to the point where we we knew, we hoped at least what we were saying. No, I think he's going to really want this. And, you know, that no, that J box needs to be lowered because that light's too high or, or whatnot. And you just you get very confident in, in your decisions. And and it really just becomes about making the job look good. So I have another question. So you guys then open did you open together joe did you just open the shop in almont yard we actually let so we were at michael's for three years and i knew it was sort of time to uh time to go i had the opportunity to work on two jobs back east um that were sort of a a very large renovation uh of an old shore colonial house and then also a ground up construction and so it was that whole act. Do we try and you know? Do I try and just do this on the side as a favor or something, or and stay at Michael's, or do we take this as a as a sign that it's time to go? So uh, Parrish and I talked about it, and I was ready to go. So I I jumped ship and started working on these jobs. And Parrish was sort of you know thinking, no, you know, I might have a baby soon, and and then we'll join up. So I left, and Parrish joined uh, three months later. Knowing that we, you know, would would have the company together, and uh, when she got pregnant, so it was an easy easy transition. We, you know, did did the typical worked out of Parrish's back house and her little back house, you know, where it was just the two of us and <laughs> and you know boxes of fabrics, not organized or anything, as a lot of people start out. And we were there for about a year um, working on jobs both back east uh, in New Jersey and in Florida, and then a lot 
here in Los Angeles, um, small jobs that turned into larger ones and lots of referrals. And then about a year after, we saw a great little space at Almont, uh, right behind Nathan Turner's antique show or antique store. And at that time, it wasn't called Almont Yard. It was, you know, Nathan's space was the only cute one. And then it was a bunch of little apartments in the back, uh, ugly back little parking lot. And we took this tiny little space and turned it into our office. And Wait, that part, that little courtyard wasn't there? It was no. a drive. It was it literally was a driveway. driveway. The oh, two gosh. spaces back there, which people can probably see pictures on our old website. Right. Or well, I was going to say, for, for people who aren't listening, who people are listening to this who are not from L.A., Almont Yard is this little courtyard that used to have, you'd walk up, and it's, it's uh, in West Hollywood, and you'd walk up, and the and the first story you would see, sort of the anchor, was Nate Turner's shop. And you would go through that and through a little Dutch door and go out to this really cute little pebbly courtyard with a fountain in the middle or something was in the middle. It's got a big, um, big tree in the middle. Okay. And then all these little shops, including Joe and Parrish's, uh, Peter Dunham used to be there, and Catherine Ireland as well. So it was this yep. really neat little uh, little enclave, little Design and really, yeah, we made it sort of a, a design destination. When we first moved in, we really wanted Nathan had always had the vision of you know like turning into something if we could get these people who lived up to you know people. It was like There's an old family. There was a family. Oh, Catherine's space. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, in the upstairs. Oh, wow. Wait, are y'all still there now? So we are not. We are not there anymore. So we had our office there, and then. Peter Dunham and the people moved out upstairs and Peter Dunham moved in upstairs and opened his Hollywood at home. That was where Hollywood at home first began in a, in a really cute little space upstairs. It's sort of a, a mix of Monterey style bungalows. It's very California. It's, it's a bunch of little spaces that are all connected and, and we turned it into the, and Peter was on board and said, Oh my gosh, let's do this. So we, uh, got rid of, you know, got rid of the parking lot and turned it into this cute little, uh, Pea gravel. Now, how long? How long ago was this? What year was this? This was two thousand and um, we no, we moved there in two thousand and seven, and we were the work started the fall. It was two thousand and eight. Yeah, so two thousand eight. Huh. So Peter moved Hollywood at home, and then basically demanded that we open a store <laughs> as well, so that it would be it's become a little retail haven. And he was like, "You have to open a store. You have to open a store." <laughs> And they were like, oh, fine. So we took another little space and moved our office and then opened Harbinger in our original little office space there. So it was literally about 450 square feet. It was like a closet. Um, You could trip over uh, the only piece of furniture that we could fit in the space. (laughs) But it was was great. So it was Nathan Turner, Claremont Fabrics um, had a little space behind Nathan. Hollywood at Home was up above. Harbinger was below, and then our office was in the back. And then there was one little standalone uh, space that a little cottage that was still had a like music a music producer. producer had his recording studio in there that we had all sort of been eyeing up. And finally, he decided to leave, so we took that space and expanded Harbinger into um, a larger showroom. That, and we started taking on fabric and wallpaper lines to represent. So we had two spaces, one that had vintage furniture and antique and a lot of schmata and stuff. And, <laughs> and then the, the new showroom that had, um, great new sort of emerging textile lines and some that just hadn't been repped in, in Los Angeles. Well, 
Notably, Katie Ritter. That, Katie yeah. Ritter. Um, That's her Katie go-to. Ritter, yes, Pintura Studio, Prince, etc. Um, and a wonderful, wonderful line called Iterica Gazzoni, who is a amazing designer from Milan. And uh, we were the first to take her in the States um, with her incredible wallpapers and fabrics. So we took them on, and it was a happy little family over there, and really became. And so we named it Almont Yard. And uh, we had a lot of big design parties and book signings with with everybody together, and it really became a fun, fun party destination to too. Yeah, party destination and a design destination because we were only a few blocks away from the Pacific Design Center, so. People. And it was so much easier because you could just pull up on the street. You could go yeah. in there. Everyone was there. You could get, I mean, you know, it just was so nice. But yeah. you guys are now on La Cienega and right near, if not next to Peter's. Right, right next we to Hollywood at home. We're Peter. keeping it in the family. So, yeah, so All My Yard's gone through a big change in the last year. Um, Nathan closed up and moved. I uh, just opened a new showroom down on Melrose Avenue. Um, and Catherine Ireland who had moved when Hollywood at home moved to La Cienega about two years ago. Now, uh, Catherine Ireland moved into Peter's old space up above us. So she has now moved up front. Um, it's like musical chairs. She's moved up front to Nathan's old space, a great, uh, Moroccan tile company called Le Moist. Um, if I'm saying it right, has moved into our old showroom. An acupuncturist has moved into our old office and shop. Oh, really? Weird. Yeah, I, I know. It's, it's, so it's a little bit of a different vibe over there, but they're still trying to keep it. Uh, it's actually a great little acupuncturist. It's, it sounds so wonderful. Why did everyone move out? It was small. It was small. It, it was, was a great little space, and we totally miss it. We miss the vibe, but we, I think we all sort of just outgrew it. We were bursting um, which is, the yeah, we were bursting into seams, which is not a bad thing to have happen. Um, Your new were, sh- showroom now is, it is important. one of my absolute favorites. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but it's it's four times the size of what we had at Almont Yard. We're now in a 5,000-square-foot space right in the um, heart of the La Cienega Design District. With a big um, pink door? Oh, with a big door. It's Nantucket, Nantucket Red. red. <laughs> Custom color that we did with Portola paints. And uh, we shingle. We took an old space that was Rituals. Uh, it was longstanding. I think they had been here for about 20 years, yeah. very much geared towards sort of your Aspen. Um, or Western. Aspen, yeah, Western-style furniture and it was two different spaces that we <coughs> combined into one and um it's great it's, it was a lot of work it was a long three months of construction and a uh, can of worms every time we you know opened up something in the wall and figured out that the building was about to fall apart so <laughs> it was a huge undertaking but we love it the design studio lucas studio has um probably about 1200 square feet in the back and so we have a lot more space and then we um, have sort of a atelier in the back for Holland and Cherry moved out of the design center and has opened their own showroom within Harbinger. So they have about 600 square feet of great space in the back of Harbinger and they have all of their fabrics and their rugs and leather and wall coverings and and all of that great stuff and, and some furniture pieces too. So they run out of Harbinger and we're just a happy little family and now we've been able to grow our furniture line. Now we have um, probably about 15 or so pieces in our Harbinger reproduction line, which you can see on daringhall.com and our website. 
and just so much more space to be able to show things yeah. and show our fat. We've taken on probably about six more. Sorry, my dog's barking in the background <laughs> for attention. Right. Um, but we've taken on a lot more fabric and wallpaper lines. Uh, we Bunny have Bunny, yeah, Bunny Williams Beeline Home. We're now the exclusive uh, showroom here in Los Angeles for her amazing line. So it's uh, it's great. We're having a great time. And it's just so much more foot traffic. That's yeah. Linda, I think you were asking what, why move or Joni. You know, it's... Yeah. We were able to grow and we just have so much more traffic here and we're back next door to Hollywood at home, which is great because Peter's a, a really great friend. And I mean, a- it's like one-stop shopping. I mean, you could do, you don't need to go, I hate to say this because the PDC is just always so ghost towny, but I mean, really that little row that you guys, this, this yeah. new design corridor, I mean, everything with Lee Stanton across the way, uh, Scalama, I mean, you guys are all, you've you got know, the Los best yeah, what, what's interesting is that when Peter opened Hollywood at Home on La Cienega, it was the first showroom to really have fabrics uh, over on this area. I mean, same same thing of what we had at All My Yard, but all of a sudden it became um, over on La Cienega. And then Scalamandre moved out of the PDC, and they're a uh, couple stores away from us, and then we moved here. So now... You have probably with, and Suzanne has her Lee Joe um, yeah, Hollyhock. So now there's probably, I would say, 30 different fabric lines represented yeah. on La Cienega within, you know, 500 yards of each other. So you have basically a whole nother design center. Stark is now moving out of the design center and moving on La Cienega. Oh, They're wow. doing a big construction, <laughs> construction right across the street. So you know, you now have two big destinations, three with, with Almont Yard, with Catherine still there and all of her fabrics uh, for people either in town or out of town. Yeah. People come in from Dallas for two days and just, you know, jam all all the stores in. And uh, you really can hit them all up and get a lot accomplished. <laughs> well, one of the things that really oh, strikes oh. me is the um, collegiality of the designers. You know, the yes. Almont Yard and then the La Cienega. So we don't have anything like that in Boston. Uh, we, we don't have that many designers who actually own shops as well. So I mean, no, I think in it's New a- York either. There are a few like Bunny, you know, yeah. Bunny and John have Treyage and John Roselli and Todd Romano has his shop and he actually has a shop on La Cienega as well. But it definitely is a big thing in L.A. We always talk about all the New York designers are like, why do you all get along so yeah. well? I don't understand why you're out with each other. <laughs> We do, I you know we we're all friends for the most part, and and it's a, a lot of us have shops. It's a very tight knit community, and we support each other. Yeah, you know, we have to. We all have shops. We, we you know shops. we need each other too. It's you know, we, and and you get tired of all the stuff in your own shop. Yeah. So you know, thank God we have Peter next door when we need a pillow or we need one of his fabrics. It's funny when I was in your shop, I Catherine Ireland was wandering around building yep. stuff. And yeah. you guys even were talking about how you sort of missed that at Almont Yard, how the two of you would go, you know what, let's go check on Peter. Let's go check over here and see what they have. And more like, more like Megan, what we were saying is we're really lazy. And so when we're like, oh, I want to go to the design center, just go grab something for Peter. We yeah. always looked at Peter's, Peter's sales plummeted when he moved to La Siena. Uh, yeah, but now they're back up because he's next door again. <laughs> I think, too, though, um, all of our individual styles are distinct enough. I mean, yes. they're very compatible, but they're, I do think, different enough that we can shop at one another's stores and truly find things that 
obviously we we make a vast point not to carry anything that's the same, yeah. but it all sort of works together. So yeah, we were just coming and we were just looking at we had just redone the windows. We were looking at Peter's window next door and and we we're like, okay, good. The windows look different. Like they're not. <laughs> like, you you worry that we all have the same stuff and the, you know. But I don't think we do. We don't. We don't, and it's great. I mean, we just had our holiday party for work and we combined it with Pat McGann and Christopher Farr and uh, Jamie Bush's design studio who he just moved on to La Cienega and the Hollywood at Home crew on us. We were all we got partying a taco in the truck. Yeah, we got a taco truck and, and a salsa van and we were partying in the uh, Friday night in the courtyard next door. So That's fun. It's only in LA do you get the well, I think. I don't know if that's the I think it's an LA trend, the taco truck. Yeah. The trucks, <laughs> and everyone great. has a taco guy that comes to the party. <laughs> the best it was it's the, the border the ever. border grill truck. It was great. <laughs> nice. Well, do you guys what are your plans going forward with the showroom? Do you have um survive. Um, to survive, to get people in the door. We are we're growing our line as as much as we can afford to and uh can with the space, which is great. It's it's nice, you know, but we we don't want we don't want it to become all reproduction furniture and, and things. I think in here we really like the mix of the high and low. So we'll always we'll always have antique, we'll always have vintage pieces. As as much as we can add more fabric and wallpaper lines and uh, <laughs> decorative lighting. We also have Colleen and Company, Colleen Ryder's amazing uh, line of lanterns and sconces and furniture. She has a great new Capri collection out that has linen and raffia wrapped and uh, lacquered furniture. Oh, the tables. Yeah, yeah the tables, the amazing tables and her her new sort of tortoise uh, finished uh, wall sconces and lanterns have gotten a lot of press lately. They're, uh, I think they're in. Who, who was that? Colleen and Company. Oh, Colleen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've. I'm sure you've seen it. She has a, a great toll tent lantern. Yes, that, yeah, uh, got I, a lot of press and her, uh, her molded cement um, ottomans that look like tufted ottomans, but they're uh, big, heavy cement ones. They're great for the garden. They've gotten a lot of press and that's beautiful recently. And so. Um, that's great. Yeah. And we, who, this can be off the record. Cause I just want to know this. Who, what, um, wallpaper is that in the bathroom you have that has the, um, the pomegranate, yes. uh, it, the pomegranate, Iterica Gazzani doesn't have, I'm like, that doesn't have to be off the record. <laughs> okay. I just, because it was kind of a weird question. I, that wallpaper, I can't get out of my head. So gorgeous. And we that's why it. we did it in the bathroom. Yeah, because so we have two bathrooms. So we've got the girls and the boys, we call it. So we have a great shield of ridges, very bold, uh, black and green uh, and blue stripe, white stripe. And that's in the boys. And then we've got Iterica's beautiful, like, it's her pomegranate design. And it's, it's beautiful. I'm looking at it. Sort of sea foamy greens and pinks. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of our favorites. Uh, oh, my gosh. It is so pretty. Yeah, her her designs are very. Most of them are very large scale. So finally, we have the space to be able to show exactly. a lot of wallpaper. So we have her one of hers in the window, uh, and we have one of Katie Ritter's in there. And so it's it's just nice having space to be able to do things like that. I mean, what do y'all envision? You know, being the next hottest thing, or what do you where do you see design going in the next year, five years, or whatever? No, it seems. I think. From what we've been doing and what we've been seeing a lot, I I definitely see things getting a little bit more tailored, um, which I, I hope mm-hmm. I hope will be happening. I think we've had the 
great sort of Belgian uh, trends going on, um, you know, and then people like Restoration Hardware have sort of taken it over and, and a lot of that rough industrial look, which is great. And I think we'll always have a, have a place in design, but I think maybe it's, maybe it's a little less about all of that, you know, 95% of that and, and just tweaking it back a little bit and, just more, yeah, mixing it up in more refined classical lines. That's something that we focus on a lot in our design for our clients is making sure that we're not doing things that are just trendy and they're going to get tired of in a year or two years or a month. And really making sure that we're, we're picking classic shapes that will stand the test of time and put them in a beautiful fabric, you know, like beautiful Han and Sherry wool that will literally never get old uh, to anyone and you can always... You know, Which is the antithesis to trend. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We are sort of hopefully the antithesis to trend. You know, we we want it to stay fresh and, and young and classical the whole way through. Which I think we achieve for our design clients through art or photography or mm-hmm. whatever. The, the base is usually... Our plan is for the base to stay and then the accessories and lighting. And, you know, it's almost like getting dressed in the morning if your base is pretty stable. But then I don't, not everybody dresses that way, women or men. But then if the the accessories can change, you know, so you can buy costume jewelry or whatever, or scarves. And I mean, I know that's the way I personally dress. Even uh, though <laughs> I just changed out the bow ties. I can't tell <laughs> But it's a, I don't know. I feel as though you and I are always going for the same stuff that it's simple, but then we'll say, oh, this could be a great pillow fabric. But in five years, if the client gets tired of it, it's not going to break the bank to switch that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing even with our kids. You know, I would say not 100% of our clients have young kids. Yeah. And uh, we really try and focus on our kids' rooms to not be straight out of no offense to Pottery Barn or, or catalog companies, but you know, the kids want, want the page that they've seen out of the catalog. And we really fight that and try and make, make the rooms be a little bit more sophisticated and be able to, you know, grow with them and you switch out little things, but. That is so true. Those catalogs market so well to little kids because I've got kids and they're constantly asking me about that. Why can't I have that from Pottery Barn? (laughs) Do every single thing. And it's great to use some of that. It's not like we don't use any of that. You know, you don't want to put, you know, a lacquered Chinese chest in the, you know, a five-year-old's room. And we're not going to do that. But we try and pick fabrics that aren't so kiddy yeah. um, and sweet that they're – and that maybe have a, a lot of different colors in them or different patterns so that you – in four years, if all of a sudden they say, I hate pink, uh, you know, that happens every time when they're obsessed – you know, a little girl's obsessed with pink. And a year later, she's like, I ah, now I want purple. You know, hopefully there are a few colors in the great fabrics that we pick and we can then tweak and go, okay, well, let's pull that out of that, you know, Sudani fabric or whatever. So, so yeah, so I think that's, I don't know, as far as the future, let's just hope design is still in the future and people keep coming back. How how is business for y'all? It's been been good. I I really... um, It's a scary time to to grow your business, but... But at the same time, I think a lot of, you know, it, it seems as though we, there, everybody still has clients, you know, they're coming in, maybe the scale of the projects is smaller, but, um, people still want, 
to live in a, a comfortable and a beautiful home, however that can be achieved or in whatever phases or what have you. So I don't know. I think, and I know as far as our showroom goes, our price points we offer, there's such a vast range that it is, I hope, approachable for everyone to some degree. And we jump out and help people, you know, even if it's just retail customers off the street, we were out there helping them pick things and putting things together if need be. And, you know, it's, it's very hands-on. Thanks again, you guys. We'll hopefully pop in there soon. All right. We'd love Thank to see you. you. Okay, bye. Thank you. Thanks. Nice to meet you, Jenny nice and Linda. Too. This has been the Skirted Roundtable with Megan Arquette from Beach Bungalow 8, Joni Webb from Code to Texas, and I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings. And this week we are joined by Joe Lucas and Parrish Chilcote from Lucas Studio Inc. and Harbinger in L.A. Thank you so much for joining us. You can visit us online at www.skirtedroundtable.blogspot.com or download our podcast from iTunes. Search for the Skirted Roundtable. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon.